China's historic party congress wrapped up over the weekend as the world closely watched from the beginning to the end. And for a look into the key takeaways and their implications, we're joined now by Professor Kim Byung-ju of Hanguk University of Foreign Studies. Good morning, Professor. Good morning. Professor, this is this was a big topic, not only for the Asia region, but for, it has a global implications. Um, so what do we see? What was revealed during the party congress, during, uh, of course, Xi Jinping's uh, keynote speech, and also, you know, who he named, uh, who wasn't there, who got taken out. I mean, there's so many things that people were watching and trying to read the signs of. Right. Uh, I, I guess there are so many different points to cover, but I just want to start with your first part of your question rather than the, the later part. Later part we'll discuss later. But uh, in terms of uh, key themes that were revealed, of course, the rise of Xi Jinping, for the rise of Xi Jinping as kind of imperial leadership, that's for sure. That's what we've been talking about all along and and confirmed. Together with that, he emphasized the the, the Chinese people, uh, externally, the Chinese power, uh, you know, the, the rising up and uh, becoming a dominant force in the world internationally, and also Chinese people as the entity that gives him the legitimacy. Uh, those points were emphasized repeatedly through the speech and discussions uh, throughout the party congress, for sure. Interesting source we can reference we can uh, turn to is the uh, people's daily reports on you know how what this party congress stands for and people's daily pointed out uh, six different uh, principles uh, in terms of like how the different change is coming number one the elders uh, rule rule of the elders is is disappearing well, many of the uh, old faces have disappeared. We have confirmed that uh, from the leadership. And uh, the rule of uh, if you're below 67, you stay in power. Over 68, you have to leave. That rule is being dismantled. If you're loyal to Xi Jinping, you stay. If you're disloyal, you go. Basically, that's uh, how it's being replaced. Uh, and then uh, overall, the, you know, the collective leadership that we are, have become friendly with based on the elderly rules and so on. A collective leadership has been replaced by a loyalty-based uh, leadership. That is, those who are loyal to Xi, they are staying in power. And the older people, they, they disappear. Uh, the similar points are being repeated, but that this is uh, uh, People's Daily's you know, mentioning of the new changes coming. And uh, together with the elderly leadership, there used to be a practice of... Uh, old leader appointing the next next generation leader and that has disappeared uh now it looks like whoever will succeed xi jinping whenever there will be it will be up to xi jinping it's not like hu jintao or anything any previous leader and uh so those kind of uh, changes have been in place have been placed in place and those are the changes that the the People's Daily have pointed out, and it, it kind of shows a big part of, it well reflects a big part of the new transformation that we've seen through this party con congress this time. Right. Uh, I just wanted to clarify something. Uh, in our headlines, uh, basically uh, Xi Jinping secured his third term 
which is going to give him an additional five years. So it's gonna, he's going to be in power for 15 years at least. But a lot of the experts and reports are saying that given Xi Jinping's age and the way that he has consolidated power, that is not uh, a far-reaching scenario, or barring any health concerns, that he could actually be in power for an additional, not just one single term here, but for additional maybe 10, 15 years going forward. Indeed, that seems to be the general agreement, yes. 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 Um, there are a lot of different topics uh, that China is. Obviously, they're in this uh, uh, economic row with the United States. Um, and another thing is the Taiwan question. Uh, what do we see uh, in his speech concerning Taiwan? In terms of wording, he said uh, China will never promise giving up of the option of use over Taiwan. That's a little bit tricky expression, but uh, observers in this part of the world take it as uh, Xi Jinping's uh, expression of his determination to unify Taiwan by force, um, putting that option as a very likely option uh, on the top of the agenda. Because before Xi Jinping, the wording has been opposition against Taiwan's independence. That has been in place repeated for years. You know, Beijing opposes Taiwan's independence. But now it's, uh, you know, Beijing retaining the option of unifying Taiwan by force. That's very strong expression. And so uh, a lot of people are paying attention to that, which is no surprise, but still at the same time, it's a firm statement that everyone is paying attention to. Uh, in order to make it possible, Xi Jinping has made it clear that China is going into full gear in, in, into the militarization, strengthening of its military might in full gear, and want to really focus on strengthen its uh, you know, military readiness in order to unify Taiwan. So these are, again, uh, no surprising words, but uh, kind of like officially confirmed at the uh, party congress. That's, that's very important there. Mm. And um, you briefly mentioned about um, the changing of the rules, right? The, so mm -hmm. when right. we talked about the rule of elders or the mm -hmm. collective leadership, um, right. what can we say about the old faces seen yeah, uh, and unseen on the stage at this time? I think the big headline was obviously uh, Hu Jintao and the attention that he got. Yeah. Um, so give us more details on that. Right. I, I wonder if you had a chance to actually see the video of Hu Jintao, uh, you know, of leaving the the the, the Congress session. There, uh, there was a closing session. Interesting thing is, Hu Jintao actually kept in the, kept his seat. He was there throughout the long process of opening uh, process, opening session. That was about two hours, and people noted that he insisted being there. And then uh, at the closing, as you may have seen the video of, and I think that video is very much telling. Before I watched the video, I was mindful that in the previous, uh, five years ago, Hu Jintao uh, was absent from some of the sessions in and out and stuff like that. And people were talking about his uh, health condition. So I was open to different possibilities. But when I actually watched the, this video of closing session this time, to me, in my own personal observation, it was pretty clear he was being pulled out of the session. Mm, yes. And he was trying to talk to Xi Jinping, and Xi Jinping looked away, and then uh, others uh, sitting uh, looking away with stern face as uh, Hu Jintao was trying to come back to his seat while being pulled out of the session. And 
and um, I don't know how different uh, interpretation is possible in the, the, the visual presentation. But anyway, it was pretty shocking. And Hu Jintao was the previous leader of China. Right. And uh, usually the, the norm has been usually they would have previous, previous leader as well present. But this time we haven't seen any face of Jiang Zemin and especially anyone associated with Jiang Zemin, the, the Shanghai gang. Uh, Shanghai gang is one of the three groups of a power struggle throughout the history in the modern history of Chinese Communist Party. But Shanghai Gang, led by Chiang Zemin, there's no major face shown from that group at all. And Zhu Longji, for instance, the former prime minister, um, and these people are completely absent. So uh, it was very interesting how these uh, senior leaders were have, uh, being treated at this current latest session here. Right. Uh, the government statement for Hu Jintao is they said that he is ill. He uh, other reports are saying that he has um, Alzheimer's or Parkinson's <laughs> or a combination of both. But the fact that Hu Jintao, you can't search him. He's been wiped clean from the uh, Chinese social media outlets. You right, can't search right. that name. And also there are reports saying that um, any signs of that name has been kind of wiped clean from any government websites as well. Right, so right, right. there seems to be signs of a definite purge uh, mm -hmm. of the old, out with the old, in with the new, or it's more like out with the old and in with anything that has to do with Xi Jinping and loyalty right. to Xi Jinping. Um, right. Another interesting thing is like you talked about, uh, who got named, who didn't get named, which names were left off. That's really important for um, analysts to look at. Some uh, key names, Wang Yang, of uh, the leader of Guangdong uh, province, and also the former premier, Li Keqiang. His names were, those two names were kind of left off. And Li was, if you follow Chinese politics, he was maybe the only contrarian voice to Xi Jinping sometimes, but this time he, he just those two just got pushed out. Right, exactly. Uh, in addition to the Shanghai gang I talked about, represented by Zhang Zemin, previous, previous leader, the other group has been the Chinese youth, uh, no, the communist youth right. uh, group. And uh, uh, Li Keqiang was the main face of communist youth group. And okay, actually, Hu Jintao and Li Keqiang, uh, they were the, the main faces of uh, the, the Chinese youth. And then Hu Jintao being pulled out of the session, Li Keqiang left out of the list of the top leadership this time. So the, the communist youth group is also pretty much wiped out. And now what we, what we call the, the Xi group, Xi Jinping group, is the one that's filling up the entire top leadership. When we talk about Chinese top leadership, it's usually the, the seven member permanent uh, Politburo members we are talking about. And right. uh, all seven Xi Jinping uh, and that leaves out uh, six members, and uh, Zhao Lezi and Wang Huning, and though those are the continuing only two members who are extremely loyal. They, uh, Zhao Lezi and Wang Huning have shown their loyalty, exceptional loyalty to Xi Jinping during his uh, previous term, and they stayed in power. And the new faces like Li Chang, uh, Chai Qi, Tang, uh, Ding Shishang, and Li Xi, these four names, they're all from the, the Xi group. So this is a complete domination by Xi loyalists in the top uh, echelon of the Chinese leadership, the seven permanent Politburo membership list that just came out 
uh, yesterday. So the message is very, very clear there. Okay, so taking a little step back and just trying to look at the big picture here, um, what have we learned uh, from the Congress this time about how we kind of got to this current Xi era and his consolidation of power from the Mao era all the way through the Deng era? Mao's era, Mao who founded current communist China, uh, his era uh, signified one person rule supported by one party communist. And then Deng Xiaoping saw the problems with it and introduced the, the collective leadership by the communist party, even though he fought against the Tiananmen uprising mm-hmm. uh, by forming up the rule of the party itself, but it was not supposed to be personalized rule uh, going strongly against the Mao's uh, uh, tradition, collective rule of the Communist Party, uh, and uh, the focus being on market economy, basically. But Xi Jinping's era now is being formed up with the theme of checking against uh, the market economy and then turning away from the collective leadership into personalized one person leadership altogether. So uh, if you're from uh, those of us who are familiar with the Hegelian idea of dialectics, the thesis was Mao's personalized rule, total focus on politics and control. Antithesis was Deng's uh, focus on market, free uh, market and then collective leadership. Now, synthesis is coming up, turning away from the, 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 the antithesis and combining with the original thesis. I'm getting too academic here. But, <laughs> so basically, they're combining the two, but kind of rejecting the two and forming up, uh, combi- you know, like forming up with this idea of, uh, or perhaps even partially t- uh, turning back, returning back to Mao's era with one, with one person rule uh, and less emphasis on market economy. I see. And um, what does this all mean for Korea and our relationship with China? It's a tough uh, challenge ahead here. And uh, one personalized leadership in Beijing sitting there uh, because the the value that our system represents is very much uh, going against the, the system uh, that's sitting in the Beijing. So ideologically, value-wise, it's it's tougher. But the thing is, then again, maneuvering-wise, because in, it's one-person rule, uh, if we focus on Xi Jinping, actually, we could Korea could come up with better options here. What I mean by that is, for instance, focus on summit diplomacy. Uh, you know, the, the Korea's president meeting with Xi Jinping could result in various different kinds of positive spin-offs altogether. And this is not, does not really mean at all taking side with Beijing here. Uh, I think as the cor- current Korean government has emphasized, Korea has its place in the global division of values and ideology. Uh, you know, there are important things for us, democracy, human rights, and all those things. But while being firmly on that side, uh, Korea can still pursue the actual uh, tangible realist gains by working with this very different system and doing so what i'm saying is uh, tools like a summit diplomacy 
may actually produce uh, more meaningful results than, than before. There is such possibility. And of course, in terms of detail of ex- executing the things, it will become much more difficult to demand Xi Jinping's visit here in Korea. We've been asking for it, but we ended up having our president going to Beijing several times continuously. And it, uh, we see a slight imbalance, but with even more powerful Xi Jinping sitting in Beijing, uh, Korea will have to compromise. Uh, and that's my own view. But anyway, uh, we might have to see uh, again, once again, Korean president ended up visiting Beijing once uh, more, one more time in trying to deal with this kind of new environment of diplomacy with one strong man sitting at the top of a Beijing system this time. This might be a reality we might have to deal with whether we like it or not. Okay. Well, thank you so much for those insightful perspectives. Dr. Kim, thank you always for your time. Thank you. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.